Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Well, I hope that you are aware that Thanksgiving is this week, right? Yeah, anybody a little bit nervous about that? All right, nobody, you're ready. Great, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it snuck up on me. Uh, I wasn't quite ready for it, but I hope that you're ready. And if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here. And whether you're new on campus or maybe new joining us online, today we're in part three of a series called Real Faith, where we're trying to learn what real faith in God should look like. And we started several weeks ago, and we've learned four primary things. So I'm going to go over that, and then we'll dive into new content. So the first thing that we learned in week number one is that we are all people of faith. So when it comes to faith, we all have faith in something. And if you or you know somebody who says, well, like, I'm not a person of faith, that's not true. You're a person of faith in something. It may not be God, but maybe you're a person of faith in science, or maybe you have faith in your education, or maybe you have faith in finances. There are some people that have faith in aliens. Like, we all have faith in something. It just may not be religious faith. The second thing that we learned is that to have real faith in God, we must define faith the way that God does. So our world defines faith as kind of a wishful thinking. Like, I, I sure wish or, and hope that, that God exists. I sure hope that when I die that I'll get to, to go to heaven. I sure hope God has a wonderful plan for my life. The sad reality is that's how many people define faith. That's how many Christ followers define faith. When it comes to faith, many of us think that it's just this blind faith that we have to have. You just have to believe. You have no proof for it, but you just have to believe. That's not how God defines faith. In Hebrews 11.1, God defines faith as confident assurance about what you're waiting for. Confident assurance. So so it's kind of like this. We've got Christmas coming up. Anybody excited about Christmas? Uh, Three, four people. All right, so uh, um, from Thanksgiving to Christmas is my favorite time of year. And it's my kids' favorite time of year as well. Why? Because Christmas is coming. Now, my kids are not saying, I I sure hope Christmas comes this year. I sure hope it comes. Like, they're not saying that. They know Christmas is coming. It's on the calendar. They see it. They know they are waiting expectantly for Christmas morning. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. Waiting expectantly, knowing that what we're waiting for is coming. But God is real. God does love us. God does have a wonderful plan for our lives. So that's the second thing that we've learned. Third thing is that real faith in God must be personal. If we're gonna have real faith, It has to be personal. So we can't count on someone else's faith for us to have faith. We can't count on what someone else has done for us. Maybe someone did this religious uh, activity for us and we can't count on that for our faith to be personal in a relationship with God. We have to come to Jesus Christ and know him as our personal Lord and Savior. We have to ask him to be our personal Lord and Savior to have that relationship with him and to have real faith that will last forever. Now, faith is supposed to be personal, but it's never meant to be private. And that's the last thing that we learned last week. So real faith must be passed on. So if we're gonna have real faith, we shouldn't hold on to it and say, well, I'm real private about my faith. That's just between me and God and you do what you do and I'll do what I do. 
Jesus actually commanded us in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and tell people about him, share our faith with other people. We have a responsibility to share our faith with our life and with our words. So real faith must be passed on. So those are the first four things that we've learned in this series so far. And as we dive into today's topic, uh, let me find out where our green thumbs are. So how many of you are good at gardening? Anybody good at gardening? Hold your hands up, hold them up high and be proud about that. If you're watching online, you know, raise your hand. So there are some great gardeners around. And uh, I know some of you personally, I've seen some of your gardens. You have some great gardens. And, you know, I'm grateful that I came from a family of great gardeners. So both grandparents, uh, both grandfathers that I have had, they they both have passed away. Um, They were great gardeners. Specifically, my, uh, my dad's dad had about an acre and a half of land and a large chunk of that was dedicated to a garden that he worked all the time. He had apple trees uh, on his property that we ate from often and we would make apple cider and we would get to eat from the produce from his garden often. It was great. One of my favorite things I remember as a kid when I would go visit my grandfather was he would uh, offer us an ear of corn for a bedtime snack. So he'd go to bed and say, hey, who wants an ear of corn? We'd all say, I do. And he'd go get some corn out of the garden and he would boil it and we would eat it before we went to bed. I'm curious, anybody ever ever eat corn on the cob before you go to bed? Okay, so there's a few of us, thank you. Like there's three of us in that club. It's a great club, you should try it sometime. So I I love that. And then my dad picked that up and my dad always had a garden. In most places that we lived, My dad had a garden in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if he had one in Michigan, but when we lived in Missouri and when we moved to Florida, my dad had a garden. We would eat out of that garden on a regular basis. And then my dad, my grandfather, passed that on to me. And I love to grow things, especially in a raised planter that I built for my wife a few years ago. So take a look at this. So if you look close, you see that I've got about every variety of weed that you would ever want in a garden. You could put some in your salad. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do with this garden. There's some trees growing right here. So if you, if you ever like are in need of a tree, I've got some growing here. Um, you see my rain bucket and it's there for the primary purpose of uh, watering my weeds, making sure my weeds grow good and strong. Um, so if you're a green thumb, what would you call me? A black thumb. Yep. Um, I'm really not good at growing healthy things. I'm really good at growing weeds. Somebody, when my wife and I moved into our house that we currently live in, they gave us as kind of a housewarming gift, an orange tree. And so we went out and planted it in our backyard and it was so great until the first frost came. And I found out that to care for an orange tree, I had to put a blanket around it at night. After doing that for a few nights, I'm like, buddy, you're on your own. Like, (laughs) if you can't survive in Florida, you're not gonna survive in my backyard. And he didn't survive very long. So when it comes to faith, many people today, their faith is like the condition of my weed garden. We have faith but it's not real strong. There's a lot of weeds in it, 
We haven't taken care of it for a very long time. We haven't watered it. We haven't pulled some, you know, some of the weeds out. We haven't cared for our faith the way that we should care for our faith. And so when it comes to having real faith in, in God, this is the condition of many of our faith. And so I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you would say honestly that maybe one time in your life, your faith has looked like this? Anybody? Okay, thanks for your honesty. I would say that as well for, for my life. Uh, there are many times that my faith looks like that. Sometimes it's because I've gotten too busy. I'm distracted by life. Sometimes it's because I'm going through something difficult and, and challenging in a moment. And other times uh, it's for the same reasons I don't have a green thumb. So I don't have a green thumb because I don't know enough about gardening and I don't spend enough time taking care of my garden. So I think those are two of the primary reasons why our faith can look neglected, why our faith can look more like a weed garden than a real garden. It's because we don't know enough about taking care of our faith and we don't spend enough time taking care of our faith. So that's a condition that many of us have. And the interesting thing is that's been a condition, an issue that people have wrestled with for a very long time even back in Jesus' day. Jesus talked a lot about how to take care of our faith. And he used a lot of illustrations for that. He, he tried to help people step into faith. He tried to help people strengthen their faith. He tried to help people deal with their faith issues. And one of the things that Jesus said about faith can be summarized in our bottom line thought for today. So our bottom line thought, if you're new with us, it's just a, a, a small statement that we try to come up with that can help us remember what we're learning on Sunday. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but it happens to me often where I'll get to lunch and, and you know, somebody that maybe wasn't at church with us today will say like, hey, how was church today? I'm like, great, it was great. What'd you talk about? I don't know. That was like three hours ago. What, how am I supposed to remember that? And sometimes for all of us, like we forget what we've heard. So our bottom line thought is intended to help us remember and to help us maybe dig into some of the ways that we could apply what we're learning on Sunday. So here's our bottom line thought for today. Real faith must be grounded and it must be grown. If we're gonna have real faith in God, our faith must be grounded and our faith must be grown. Jesus talked a lot about that, especially in his illustrations that he, he would give. And in Matthew chapter 13, we get the context of this bottom line thought. And it's where Jesus was teaching a parable. And if you're new to parables, a parable is just a story that Jesus would make up to teach a lesson. So it wasn't a real story. The principles were real, but the story itself wasn't real. And again, Jesus would just make up a story for people to engage a lesson that he wanted to teach them. And Jesus taught all kinds of different parables, but most of his parables involved agriculture. They involve things like seeds and grain and trees and vines and fields. A lot of things that his original audience would be familiar with. So think about this. If Jesus were here today, like what is some of the stuff that he would talk about? Because we are familiar with it. Let me hear from you. TikTok. TikTok yeah. So like social media, internet, internet iPhones, smartphones, anything else? Movies, yeah, he might talk about movies. He might talk about 
skinny jeans or like bell bottoms. You know, I hear they're coming back. So like he might talk about things. He would talk about things that we are very familiar with. So listen to this story from Jesus about grounding and growing our faith. And if you are a Christ follower, you're in this story. So I encourage you to find your place in this story and ask yourself, is that where where I want to be? Is that the spot that I want to be in in my life? Is the spot that I sense that I'm in, in Jesus' parable? If you aren't a Christ follower, you're in this story as well. And what I encourage you to do is to listen for what real faith can look like. Because like, I assume that if you're a person considering faith in God, you want your faith to be an important part of your life. You don't want your faith to look like my weed garden. So if not, I encourage you to listen for how you could grow strong faith in your life. Now, if you're a note taker, I just want to apologize up front because I'm going to offer you like four or five different lists of different things as we go through today. It's not one list. So if you get confused, just know there's different lists that we're going to be talking about. And it's all to, again, help us understand a little bit more what we're, what we're learning together today. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse one, it says this. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still others, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Often after Jesus would tell a parable, his disciples would come to him and say, Jesus, we don't understand. Like, we don't get it. Like, like what's the point? And uh, Jesus would often follow that up with his disciples with an explanation. So that must have happened in this context because in verse 18, Jesus says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. So Jesus is talking about a real being called Satan. He says, Satan's real. And when the seed about a relationship with God through me comes along, he wants to take that out of people's lives because he doesn't want them to have that. So that's what he's referring to there. In verse 20, he says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So in Jesus' parable there, there are three primary characters that he identifies. There's the farmer, there's the seed, and there's the soil. 
So the farmer represents God or anyone who tells people about Jesus. The seed is the message about Jesus. That's known in the Bible as the gospel or the good news about a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus died so that we can have an eternal relationship with him. And when we put our faith in him, we can have that for all of eternity. So that's the seed. And then the soil represents the condition of our hearts. So how we receive the message of Jesus. Then there are four types of soil that Jesus identifies. He said there's hard soil. Again, that represents people who hear the message of Jesus but reject that. Then there's shallow soil, people that hear the message of Jesus, get excited about it in the moment, but then when life comes along and the storms of life happen, that, that seed is taken from them. Then there's the thorny soil. I'm gonna call it today the distracted soil. That represents people who, who hear the message of God, are excited about that, start growing their faith, and then they get distracted by the cares of the world. And then all of a sudden, there are weeds choking out the real faith that they could have in their lives, and ultimately, they have no fruit. And then the, the good soil represents those who hear the message of God, apply it to their lives, and then there's a multiplication thing that happens after that in other people's lives. So it's like a harvest of 30, 60, 100 times coming back from what was planted in that one person. So Jesus said, we are one of these soils. We are either hard, shallow, distracted, or good. So take a minute and just think about the condition of your soil. What's the condition of your faith? The soil of your heart. Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it distracted? Or is it good? Again, Jesus said, we are one of those soils. Now, this might sound weird, but if you are the hard soil, I'm not gonna talk to you primarily today. So I've got some resources that I put on our spiritual growth challenge that you can pick up in our lobby. If you're watching online, you can download that from the, the comment section. And I encourage you, if, if you're a person who's rejecting faith, there's some great resources there that can help you just explore what a relationship with God could look like for you. And if you would ever wanna have a conversation with someone about that, I would love to talk with you about that. Just reach out to the office and let us know. But today I'm gonna talk directly to those of us who are in the shallow soil category and the distracted soil category and talk to us about how we can become good soil. This is another list, but I think there are at least three things that we should do to become good soil. So here's the first thing. First thing is this. Our faith needs to be grounded in Christ. So to become good soil... Our faith needs to be grounded in Jesus. And we talked a lot about that last week, but I'm gonna review that real quickly again. In Colossians 2.6, the Apostle Paul tells us, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, again, that seed came in and you received it, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So to be grounded in Christ, we must first accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Again, we can't count on what somebody else has done for us. We have to accept him as our Lord. We have to ask him to come into our lives 
We have to believe what he has done on the cross for us to pay for our personal sins. If you've not made that decision before, I hope that you'll make that today. God's waiting for you to do that if you haven't. He sent Jesus to die to prove his love for you. And he's waiting patiently for you to make that decision. If you've not made that decision before, I hope that that you'll make that decision. So our faith first must be grounded in Christ, a relationship with him. Here's the second thing. To grow our faith in Christ, we need to feed our faith. So we're gonna start with a seed planted in, in the soil of Christ, and then we've gotta grow that. We've gotta spend time learning how to, how to do that. We've gotta learn about faith. We've gotta learn how to apply what we're learning on a daily basis. Now, going back to my weed garden, I don't have a nice garden because I haven't taken the time to learn how to grow a garden. I know a few things that I've learned years ago, but when I apply a few things here and there, I end up with a really strong weed garden instead of a really nice garden that I desire to grow. And when it comes to our faith, many times we're like that. We know a little bit about growing faith. We know we should pray, but how often do we really talk to God? We know we should read the Bible, but you know, who really has time for that? We know we should apply what we're learning in the Bible, but that can be really challenging. So sometimes we settle for learning over applying, and that can be dangerous. If we just learn a bunch of information about real faith in God, but don't apply it, we're kind of in trouble. Because here's the thing. When we stand before God, we will not be graded on how much we know. We'll be graded on how much we've applied. So application is Super important. Now, uh, going back to um, my garden and just gardening in general, my oldest daughter, Sydney, has not learned anything from me about gardening. I hope she's learned something from me about something else, but she hasn't learned anything from me about gardening, and yet she is growing a beautiful little garden in her backyard. And I'm gonna show you a picture of that. So here's this little garden that she's growing. She's got three little planters here. And this is my grandson, Maverick. He's four and he's bringing in this harvest of cucumbers and beans that they're growing. And here's the, the really cool thing about my daughter. She's learning how to grow a garden. And she said, as she walked into this, she said, listen, I don't know anything about growing a garden. So I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna admit that I don't know. And I'm gonna talk to people who know a little bit more than I do. I'm gonna apply what they're teaching me. I'm gonna do some research and I'm gonna apply what I'm learning. And I'm, I'm gonna learn, hey, well, that doesn't work. I'll adjust this, I'll try this. And maybe that works a little bit better. I should use this type of soil. I should add this type of fertilizer or this type of, of feed uh, for my, my, my plants. And so she's taking these baby steps and she's applying everything that she's learning. And she's producing this great little garden. I am so glad she's learning on her own and not learning from me. You know why? Because her garden would look like my weed garden. But it doesn't because she is actively learning how to grow her garden. We need to do the same thing with our faith. We need to actively learn. If you're new and you're not sure how to do that, we need to admit that. Like, hey, I don't know how to do this. So talk to people who are a little bit farther down the road than you are and do some research on how to learn how to grow your faith garden. And the Apostle Paul tells us one of the primary places that we can learn that information from in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He says, so then faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing and then hearing comes by the word of God. 
So if we want to have real faith in God, we have to open our ears to hear that as that seed comes into our lives. And then we grow that faith through God's written word. God's written word is his primary source for teaching us how to grow the faith that we desire and the faith that he desires for us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So reading the Bible and applying what we are learning is a great way to feed our faith. So here's a humbling question. If you're a Christ follower, how much time do you spend reading the Bible? How much time do you spend? Like compare that to maybe the time that you spend on social media, maybe the time that you spend on a hobby that you love. How much time do you spend in the Bible? My question is not meant to make you feel guilty. And this may or may not surprise you, but I struggle at times with personal reading and personal application. And that sounds weird because as a, as a pastor, um, my primary tool that I use for my job is reading the Bible and teaching people how to apply it to their lives. So I read the Bible all the time. I read the Bible for all my message prep that, that I'm doing. I'm constantly in scripture reading it. And yet there are times that I can neglect my personal relationship with God and not read it and apply it personally. I can do it thinking about it for you. But then when I'm working on that for me, sometimes I'll, I fall short. And that's something actually my pastor friends and I talk about. That's a struggle that many pastors have on a regular basis. And again, I know that that might sound a little bit weird, but let me put it in this context. You know, somebody who maybe is a, a lawn care person and they spend all day and all week mowing yards and take care of, of other people's yards and they come home and what does their, their yard sometimes look like? It doesn't look like other people's yards. Why? Because they get home and they're like, I don't wanna do that. I've done that all day. Or the mechanic who works on cars all day long and then he comes home and like, I don't have time to work on the broken down car in my front yard. So that's the context I think that pastors can fall in. And the reality is we can all fall in that. But there is a direct correlation between time spent in the Bible and time applying what we are learning in the condition of our faith. You show me somebody who spends time in the word and applies what they learn, and I'll show you somebody who has Faith that is growing strong in their relationship with God. As we are learning, we have to apply what we're learning. And James chapter one, verse 22 tells us that. It says, don't just listen to God's word. It says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So faith has to be used to grow. We have to use it. But so often, like, we're afraid to use our faith. We learn information, we're like, I'm afraid to actually apply that to my life for, for fear that it's not gonna work out well. So we gain head knowledge as opposed to heart knowledge and heart application. But again, we have to apply what we are learning. 
if we're gonna grow the faith that God wants and the faith that we desire. So if, if you're new to the Bible and new to learning about the Bible, I have a few suggestions for how you could learn more about the Bible. Again, this is another list. So here's my suggestion. Number one, I encourage you to get a Bible. To learn about the Bible, it'd be good to start with a Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to take one from the back of each seating section. So we have Bibles or paper Bibles we make uh, available to anyone. They're free. Take one. Take several of them. We'd love for you to have that. If you're looking for an online uh, Bible app, we recommend the YouVersion Bible app. And I recommend starting with the New Living Translation. Again, that's the NLT. There are a lot of great translations out there that you can use, but I just recommend you start with this one because it's reader friendliness. And then number two, I encourage you to get a book like this. There's several books out there that you can get, but Rick Warren wrote a book called uh, Bible Study Methods. And in that, he breaks down how we can begin to study the Bible. The Bible is a big book and it can be very confusing and it, it can be one of the weirdest things ever because I don't highly recommend, if you're new to the Bible, starting in the beginning. What other book do you do that with? Like none. I recommend you start in the New Testament and then go back to the Old Testament. But we need to learn how to study the Bible, the framework that it's broken down into, who God is primarily speaking to in the different sections of scripture. So books like this can help us learn about the Bible. Third thing I recommend is to attend Starting Point. This is a class that we offer three times a year here on campus during one of our Sunday morning services. And it is about the overarching story of God found in scripture. So if you're confused about scripture and like, I don't know what the, what the overarching story is, this class will give you the summary story of the Bible and help you find your place in that story. Again, we offer that three times a year. Uh, the next one I think is coming up uh, in February. It'll be announced in January. I encourage you to take that if you haven't. Then I encourage you to get into one of our community groups. Our community groups are great environments to learn about the Bible. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups. And my men's group right now is reading through the book of John together. We take one chapter per week and we read that and we ask lots of questions together. Well, well what does that mean and how does that apply to our lives? And so we just kind of slowly work our way through a book of the Bible. It's a great place to learn together with other people about scripture. And then the last thing I recommend you do is regularly attend a Bible teaching church. So find a church that teaches the Bible and just go on a, a regular basis. Commit to going weekly and learn about the Bible. You'd be amazed at how much you can learn over a short period of time if you just commit to go to an environment where the Bible is taught. Now, if you're new with this and you're thinking like, I don't know if I can listen to a bald guy on a regular basis who doesn't know how to grow a garden, you know, like I get that. I understand that this church may not be for everybody, but there's a great church in our community. If you live in our community and if you would ask me after the services, I'd love to connect you with one of those churches. So that's how we can learn more about the Bible. So to grow our faith, we need to ground our faith in Jesus. We need to feed our faith with God's word and apply what we're learning. And then number three, we need to weed our faith. It's an important part of the process of growing a strong faith garden. We have to weed our faith. So one of the problems that my gardens have had through the years is the weeds 
uh, win the day and outgrow the plants that I'm trying to grow in my garden. And that happens uh, because I, st- I start off really good. You know, like the first two weeks, I'm out there every day and I'm taking care of this little garden. I've got these little plants that I bought somewhere and I, I put them in the soil and I get some great soil for them to live in. And, and all of a sudden, a, a little weed pops up and I'm like, no way, this is not happening. Weed, you gotta go. And I pull that little tiny thing out and it's awesome. And then several weeks later, I get distracted by life and uh, my wife says, hey, have you checked the garden lately? I'm like, oh, nope, forgot about that. And then I go out and I'm like, whoa, the weeds have overrun my garden. Like, this isn't good. And some of the roots are intertwined with each other. And like, I pull, you know, weed out, all of a sudden out starts coming the the good plant that I'm trying to grow. So we've got to weed our faith gardens on a regular basis if we're gonna grow real strong gardens. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one says this, and it, this is gonna be a shift of an uh, illustration. So we're shifting from plants to athletics, but it ties back in, so hold on. Hebrews 12, verse one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance, the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So again, we switched analogies, but basically what the author of Hebrews is saying, in order for us to have strong faith, we have to weed out any sin issues that we have in our lives. The reality is we all have sin issues. I have sin issues, you have sin issues. Um, but is there a, a, a sin issue in your life right now that's hurting the faith that you wanna grow? So here's a humbling question. What sin is currently hurting your faith? What sin in your life is currently hurting your faith? And again, we all have sin issues, but there's a really good chance that a specific sin leans into you or you lean into that specific sin. We all have that. I have that in my life as well. So is there a current sin? Is there a specific thing right now in your life that you know is there? And it's maybe a little out of hand, out of control, You're not addressing it. You're not weeding it carefully on a regular basis. And maybe it's growing too much. And it's actually hurting the faith that you desire to have. So if we're gonna grow strong faith, we have to constantly weed our faith. And sometimes we need help. So just like my daughter saying like, listen, I don't know how to do this, so I'm gonna learn from other people. There are moments when it comes to the weeds that are in our lives, we need to reach out for help for that. Like if, if we could weed that thing out by ourselves, we would do it by ourselves. But because that thing is still there, there's a really good chance we need to reach out to other people for help. And maybe that person you need to reach out to is a trusted friend. Maybe you need to reach out to a friend and say, listen, like, I, I need help with this issue in my life. Like, I, I can't address this thing by myself. And many years ago, I started regular conversations with trusted friends about sin issues in my life, about weed issues that are there. Why? I don't want those weeds to stay there. I don't want those weeds to hurt the faith that I'm trying to grow in my life. So I have regular conversations about weeds that pop up and weeds that need to be dealt with. 
And here's what helps me in those conversations is when I'm taking care of a garden all by myself, and I'll use the illustration of my yard. So uh, you can um, probably imagine that my yard has every variety of grass and weed in it. Why? Because we know I don't take really good care of plants. All right, so if you drive past my, my yard and I've just mowed it, you're like, hey, that looks like a green yard. And I'm like, yep. How many weeds are in there? A whole lot, a lot of weeds. And when the weeds start growing, I run them over with the lawnmower. It's wonderful. I just cut them off at the top and you can't quite tell that they're there. Uh, and we kind of do that when it comes to sin issues. Like we do this behavior man uh, modification thing. We change our behavior a little bit and we cut a sin issue off at the top. But guess what? The root's still there. That, thing, that thing's gonna grow back. It might grow back in a week. It might grow back in a day, maybe several months, maybe several years, but it's gonna grow back. Why? Because the root is still there. We gotta get the root out. How do we get the root out? Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we got to talk to somebody else to help us dig a little deeper and pull that root out of that weed so it doesn't intertwine with the roots of the real faith that we are trying to grow. Sometimes a friend can help us with that. Other times we need to see a counselor. Maybe we need to see a trusted counselor who can guide us in that process of dealing with a sin issue in our lives. Maybe you need to talk to a pastor. So if you're in a spot where you need professional help, I recommend you stop by our care table or reach out to us at the office. We've got a care ministry, a counseling ministry. We would love to get you connected with a local counselor or one of our pastors, one of our staff members who can help you as you address some of those weeds that are in your life. So again, to grow our faith, we need to ground our faith in Jesus. Then we need to feed our faith with God's word and apply what we're learning. And then we need to weed our faith. So as we close, let me ask you just a few more questions. What's the condition of your faith? So right now, if you were honest about the condition of your faith, what would you say? Is it hard? Are you rejecting the seed of Jesus? the truth of Jesus, that he offers a relationship with you that'll last forever, are you rejecting that? Do you have hard soil in your heart? Is the soil of your heart shallow, where you're excited about this new thing called faith in Jesus? Wow, it sounds great, but then the storms of life come and that faith is kind of blown away. Do you have shallow soil? How about distracted soil? Are you distracted by something right now? You're distracted by something that is keeping you from growing the faith that God wants to grow in your life? Are you distracted? Or are you good soil? Is the condition of your heart good soil that takes in whatever God wants to teach you and then you begin to feed that and you take good care of that and weed it to make sure that it grows to be the plant, the faith that God desires in your life? What's the condition of your faith? I encourage you to ponder that as we close with a song about firm foundation. But the reality of Jesus is the foundation that all of our lives should be built on. So while we're singing, just kind of reflect about the condition of your faith. Now, before we sing together, let me tell you what we're gonna do next week. So next week, I'm gonna try to answer the question, is it possible to regain faith after you've lost it or after you've walked away from it? Today, there are thousands of people in the United States walking away from Christianity, walking away from a faith that they grew up in. 
And they're saying, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that at one time. I don't believe that anymore. So if someone walks away from faith, can they come back to it? So we're going to explore that next week. If you're a person who has walked away or is considering walking away, or if you know somebody in that spot, I encourage you to invite them to come, to attend here on campus or to join us online as we try to answer that very difficult question next week. So I hope you'll come back for that. So if you would stand with me, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. So God, I am so grateful for the truth of scripture that can grow our faith, that can help us weed our faith. And Lord, I'm grateful that the foundation of our faith can be in a relationship with you, Jesus. That you ask that we believe in you as our personal Lord and Savior and believe in what you did on the cross so that we can have eternal life. And when we believe that, the, the soil of our hearts become like good soil. And that seed is planted, it starts growing, those roots start growing down, and that faith that, that we have that maybe um, just new can start growing. I'm grateful that you've provided scripture that can feed our faith and application of what we are learning that grows our faith and Lord, I'm grateful for the reminder that we need to weed our faith on a regular basis. But the reality is for me and for many of us is that there are many times we forget about taking care of our faith. Like we think it's good and then we walk away from it and we get busy with life. We get distracted by other things and then when we come back and check out our faith or in a moment when our faith is tested, we realize, wow, our faith garden is full of weeds. We're distracted. We haven't taken care of the faith that we should have. So Lord, I pray that through today and through this entire series, Lord, that you will teach us how to be very purposeful about growing our faith. We have a responsibility to do that. There are certain things we should do, certain things we should not do. And as we do those things, you will grow our faith to be the faith that you want it to be. So Lord, may we take that seriously, our responsibility, and may we build our lives on the foundation of you, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name.